Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Trilogy International Partners fourth quarter 2020 earnings call. At this time, all participants have been placed on a listen-only mode, and the floor will be open for questions and comments after the presentation. It is now my pleasure to turn the floor over to your host, Ann Saxton, the Vice President of Investor Relations Corporate Development. Ma'am, the floor is yours. Thank you, Holly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our conference call to discuss our fourth quarter 2020 results. This call is also being broadcast live over the web and can be accessed in the investor section of the Trilogy International Partners website. Joining me today are Trilogy's President and CEO, Brad Horwitz, and Trilogy's Senior Vice President and CFO, Eric Mickles. This call includes forward-looking information from which our actual results may differ materially. For further information regarding the various factors, assumptions, and risks that could cause our actual results to differ, Please review the cautionary language in the About Forward-Looking Information section of yesterday's press release, as well as the cautionary note regarding forward-looking statements and the risk factors in our 2020 annual report on Form 20F available on both CDAR and EDGAR. This forward-looking information represents our expectations as of today and, accordingly, is subject to change. We disclaim any obligation to update forward-looking information except as required by law. Please also refer to yesterday's press release for definitions and reconciliations of any non-GAAP measures that we use during today's call. The press release is posted on our website at trilogy-international.com under the Investors tab. I will now turn the call over to Brad Horwitz, President and CEO of Trilogy International Partners. Thanks, Anne, and hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our call today. I'll provide you with an update on our businesses and their operating environments, and then Eric will take you through our fourth quarter performance and outlook. We're pleased with our results for the fourth quarter and the full year of 2020. In a year like no other with unprecedented operating challenges, our commitment to the communities we serve and the resilience of our businesses resulted in solid financial and operational results. This is particularly the case in New Zealand, which achieved record service revenues and adjusted EBITDA for the year. We gained customer market share across all our products in 2020, in addition to continued solid performance by our legacy consumer products, our mobile B2B customer base grew 21% year over year. We generated double-digit growth in organic adjusted EBITDA for the year, despite the continued pandemic-related border closure. Our financial results reflect our team's agility and ability to execute in very challenging conditions. In Bolivia, our fourth quarter results improved with a modest recovery in local operating conditions. Our postpaid mobile and fixed LTE customer bases, as well as corresponding ARPU, increased on a sequential basis. We continue to focus on operating efficiency as we navigate the ongoing impacts of COVID and the competitive dynamics in Bolivia. Over the course of 2020, voice and data consumption increased considerably across our networks as our customers adjusted the way they live and work. 
We made changes as well to enhance our ability to provide these critical services and position our businesses for the long term. While uncertainties caused by the pandemic are not entirely behind us, the operational agility demonstrated over the last year and the momentum built in New Zealand underscores our confidence in the road ahead. Continuing with specifics by market, I'll start with New Zealand, where COVID remains under control due to ongoing vigilance and quick action by the government. The level three lockdown that began in mid-August after a small cluster of cases was identified in the Auckland area concluded in early October. Normal life largely resumed with a return to school, the reopening of offices and large group gatherings, including concerts and rugby matches with thousands of spectators. This continued through the end of the year. In late January, another individual tested positive with the virus. Social restrictions, including retail closures in some areas, have been applied periodically in response, generally lasting three to seven days. New Zealand's borders are likely to remain closed for the duration of 2021. While interest remains in a travel bubble with Australia and a few Pacific Islands later in the year, we estimate that international travel will not resume until at least the second quarter of 2022. The New Zealand economy to date has remained more robust than economists had anticipated despite the lack of tourism which is a key employment industry and has historically contributed significantly to New Zealand's GDP. Government stimulus, which will end this month, helps soften the initial impact of COVID. Consumer behavior remains reserved, however, with retail foot traffic down more than 20% from pre-pandemic levels. While this has tempered consumer activation, wireless churn has remained historically low. According to IDC in their latest study, we were the only New Zealand wireless telco to increase market share in 2020 in any service offering. And we did this across our entire portfolio of products, mobile postpaid, prepaid, and fixed broadband. In addition to maintaining the positive trajectory in our consumer offerings over the course of last year, we are very pleased with our traction to date in B2B which made up almost 50% of our postpaid mobile net additions in the fourth quarter. We are enthusiastic about the growth opportunity in B2B. Our current penetration of the corporate sector is less than 10% of this over $1 billion New Zealand dollar market. We continue to expand our fixed broadband customer base in the fourth quarter, driven by our momentum in B2B, as well as continued success in bundling with our consumer postpaid mobile service. There is still plenty of runway for growth in fixed as the market moves off of ADSL and VDSL to fiber and high-speed fixed wireless over LTE and 5G. Our fourth quarter mobile service revenues, which returned to pre-pandemic levels in the third quarter, made solid gains both year-over-year year and sequentially. Our fourth quarter blended wireless ARPU increased slightly versus a year ago, and compared to last quarter, as we have improved our data monetization, particularly in prepaid. While the fixed line space remains very competitive in New Zealand, our team has done a great job of balancing broadband consumer growth with profitability, as reflected by our ARPU growth in the fourth quarter. 
Importantly, in addition to growing customer market share per IDC, we have also increased our market revenue share in all of our service offerings as well. For 2020, we generated organic adjusted EBITDA growth of 13% in New Zealand in spite of the pandemic and the lack of high margin international roaming. This increase was a result of the proactive measures we took early last year to secure our operations for potential volatility and to position it for the future. We took a hard look at our business, reduced our workforce by about 10%, and reprioritized our spending. We adjusted our credit screening processes to mitigate the potential for bad debt, and we've also made strategic changes in our organization, the positive impacts which you have already seen in our B2B results. Plus, we have significantly strengthened our senior leadership by welcoming a new chief strategy officer and a new chief consumer officer to the team. On the network side, the two network sharing agreements began to hit their stride in late 2020. At the end of the year, the Rural Connectivity Group, which is a joint venture that includes all three mobile operators in collaboration with the New Zealand government, had 192 sites providing coverage in rural areas and roads. And our 4G Moran network sharing agreement that we announced in the second quarter of 2020 is more than two-thirds complete, which has, which has significantly improved our customers' experience. During the Christmas holiday, traffic on these Moran sites was eight times that of the 2019 holiday period, where our prior arrangement only included 3G. In 2021, we plan to continue our momentum and invest heavily in strategic initiatives to extend our runway for growth and ensure that we are well positioned as the country recovers. We realize that uncertainty remains with respect to the local economy and so have taken a conservative approach in our 2021 planning. We remain enthusiastic about our long-term growth trajectory and the capabilities of our two degrees team who have proven their ability to execute under very difficult circumstances. Our focus areas this year include continued penetration in the B2B space and later in the year, introducing 5G to the New Zealand market. As we have previously mentioned, we will acquire the right to use 60 megahertz of 3.5 gig spectrum until November of 2022. The allocation process for the long-term spectrum rights are still anticipated to occur late this year or in early 2022. As you will have seen in our recent announcement, with excellent macro indicators, including strong equity markets, telecom valuations, and the New Zealand dollar at a multi-year high, in tandem with two degrees resilience, scale and continued growth opportunities, thanks to our exceptional local team, led by CEO Mark Alley, we are exploring an IPO of two degrees on the New Zealand Stock Exchange. This would be a partial listing sometime in the next 12 months. The IPO would raise primary capital to accelerate our growth initiatives in New Zealand, as well as enable us to reduce the debt that we've incurred at the hold coal level while building the two degrees business. Turning now to Bolivia, we are encouraged by our sequential improvements in the fourth quarter 
in a slow march to pre-pandemic levels. COVID restrictions ease in the quarter as case numbers there improved. After significantly curtailing our expenses for the first three quarters of 2020, we increased our sales and marketing activities in the fourth quarter. We achieved substantial subscriber growth in the fourth quarter, putting on over 180,000 wireless customers. This is the highest level of net ads in Nuevatel's history. Growth of this magnitude is due to a culmination of factors, including increased customer mobility, pent-up demand, and additional discretionary funds in the market from grants from the newly elected government and compelling activation bonuses. Our fixed LTE broadband offering continues to attract subscribers. We reached a historic high 3,200 net ads in the fourth quarter. Though below pre-pandemic levels, our revenues in Bolivia are improving. Our fourth quarter postpaid mobile ARPU grew on both a sequential and year-over-year basis, underpinned by continued take-up of our high ARPU bring-your-own-device unlimited plan. This component of our postpaid base has grown 58% since the end of 2019. Our fixed LTE ARPU for the fourth quarter also grew sequentially and year over year. We remain laser focused on OPEX discipline in Bolivia and have made progress in restructuring our operations to better align with current pricing in the market. This includes significant adjustments to our organization during the fourth quarter, including a reduction of roughly 10% of our workforce, which should realize approximately 3 million of annualized savings. A few comments about developments in our operating environment in Bolivia. With greater population mobility, competition increased in the fourth quarter. This was primarily in the form of extensive promotions in the prepaid space focusing on generous data allowances. We are watching for spinning activity, including increased churn, which is usually facilitated by these kinds of promotions. At the end of December, COVID levels began to significantly increase, spiking in January. The new president has expressed that he is averse to reinstating lockdowns, given the negative impacts they have on the economy. So control measures have remained in the hands of local governments. These have largely been limited to curfews and ensuing limitations on retail operating hours. COVID cases among our own workforce improved significantly in February, leading us to believe that broader numbers in Bolivia have also gotten better. With that, I will turn things over to Eric to take you through the numbers. Eric? Thanks, Brad, and hello, everyone. Before jumping into the numbers, I will highlight a couple key items. First, I would reiterate the headline full-year numbers in New Zealand, which are service revenues of 549 million New Zealand dollars and segment-adjusted EBITDA of 171 million New Zealand dollars, reflecting strong margins, even with a decline of 11 million New Zealand dollars of high margin roaming revenue due to the border closures. Next, strong growth in New Zealand continued in the fourth quarter as reported service revenues increased 16%, with a strong New Zealand dollar providing a 6% tailwind. In Bolivia, we observed incremental gains in the quarter 
and the team continues to be disciplined with both CapEx and OpEx. Consolidated cash balances, including restricted cash, total $103 million at year-end due to strong growth in New Zealand, the $50 million raised by Trilogy in Q4 of debt capital, and effective cash management across the system. And lastly, we expect the planned IPO in New Zealand will enable an acceleration of growth in New Zealand and could enhance Trilogy's capital structure by facilitating a debt a reduction in hold co-debt. More on this later. Moving to the numbers. Our consolidated business ended 2020 with 3.3 million wireless subscribers. Our postpaid wireless customer base as a percent of total wireless subscribers was 23.6%. We added 177,000 prepaid subscribers during Q4, predominantly in Bolivia. Before I provide specifics on financial results, Note that our reported results may be impacted by changes in U.S. GAAP accounting rules as well as, as foreign exchange fluctuations. Specifically, we implemented the new lease accounting standard in the first quarter of 2020 and the new revenue accounting standard, or NRS, in the first quarter of 2019. Please note that prior periods were not recast for the new standard. From a comparability standpoint of our reported results, the year-over-year -year NRS headwinds for 2020 have averaged roughly U.S. $1 million per quarter in both New Zealand and Bolivia, or a combined impact of approximately $7 million for full year 2020, as capitalized commission amounts from prior periods are amortized into expense this year. Regarding the new lease standard, as a reminder, under U.S. GAAP, there is not the same EBITDA uplift as would be reported under IFRS. We estimate that New Zealand adjusted EBITDA would be approximately 15 million New Zealand dollars higher under IFRS due to the adoption of the new lease accounting standard. Further, the continued strengthening of the New Zealand dollar relative to the U.S. dollar year over year also impacted our reported results in the fourth quarter, providing a 6% benefit. As such, where noted, we refer to results on an organic, like-for-like -like basis, which is excluding the impact of accounting changes as well as foreign currency. We believe an organic perspective enhances comparability between periods. Our consolidated service revenues in the fourth quarter of $134.6 million decreased 2% year-over-year on an organic basis due to our reduced service revenues in Bolivia, which was partially offset by growth in our New Zealand subscriber revenues. On a sequential basis, however, our consolidated service revenues grew 7% due to increased revenue in both businesses compared to the third quarter. For the year, our subscriber revenues were $485.6 million, down 5% as our growth in New Zealand was more than offset by declines in Bolivia. Our consolidated operating expenses in Q4, excluding cost of equipment sales, were $131.6 million. This was an increase of 1% versus the same period last year on an organic basis, as increased operating expenses in New Zealand were mostly offset by continued cost discipline in Bolivia. Our full year 2020 consolidated operating expenses of $500 million decreased 1%, again on an organic basis, 
as both operations exercise cost discipline in the pandemic environment. Our fourth quarter consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $28.6 million, a 17% decrease on an organic basis versus last year. For the full year, our consolidated business generated adjusted EBITDA of $107 million, an organic decrease of 16%. Our consolidated capital expenditures for Q4 were $30.8 million versus $20.8 million a year ago, with the increase due to timing of spend during the year. At the end of December, we had a total of 2,593 sites on air. This is a 5% increase compared to Q4 of 2019, and nearly all provide LTE service. Turning now to our results by market, starting with New Zealand. COVID-related store closures through mid-October and ongoing broad consumer caution impacted our gross subscriber activations in the fourth quarter. However, solid results in B2B in addition to continued low churn, which was under 1% in post-paid for FY 2020, helped support strong net additions. Our post-paid mobile base in New Zealand grew 7% versus prior year and now makes up 34.5% of our wireless customer base. At the end of Q4, we had 511.8 thousand postpaid mobile customers, of which 106 thousand were B2B mobile customers. Our prepaid subscriber count at year end decreased 1% compared to prior year, due primarily to the lack of international tourism. Our fixed broadband base grew 22% year over year and 3% on a sequential basis. 131.8 thousand subscribers. Our Q4 service revenue in New Zealand increased 9% versus prior year on an organic basis, which again excludes the impact of foreign exchange and new accounting standards, driven by solid growth across our product portfolio. For the year, our service revenues increased 8% on an organic basis, again due to solid performance across all of our service offerings. At the product level, our postpaid revenues in the fourth quarter were $46.7 million, an increase of 3% versus Q4 2019 on an organic basis. This resulted from 7% growth in our postpaid base over the year, which is partially offset by ARPU compression of 4% in Q4 over the same period last year, due primarily to the lack of international roaming revenues. Our full year 2020 postpaid revenues were $174 million, up 4% over prior year. Our Q4 prepaid revenues of $25 million increased 5% versus Q4 2019 on an organic basis, driven by a 5% increase in prepaid ARPU due to improved data monetization and a continued mix shift to higher value prepaid plans. For the year, our prepaid revenues were $91.5 million, reflecting 4% organic growth. Our New Zealand broadband revenues in the fourth quarter of $24 million grew 25% versus the same period last year on an organic basis due to our 22% larger base and ARPU growth of 5%. The fixed-line market remains competitive in New Zealand, but we are encouraged by our increased ARPU over the last few quarters. For the year, our broadband revenues were $83.5 million, 
reflecting 22% organic growth. Equipment revenue in New Zealand was down 31% on an organic basis for the full year due to the phase-out of a distribution channel in mid-2019. Equipment revenue for the fourth quarter was down 4% due primarily to the COVID-related decline in foot traffic and reduced gross ad activity. Corresponding cost of equipment sales were down as well. As a reminder, equipment sales generally have little to no margin and thus minimal impact on overall profitability and cash flow generation. Our adjusted EBITDA for Q4 in New Zealand was 29.6 million, a 5% increase on an organic basis versus Q4 2019. Our adjusted EBITDA for full year 2020 was 111.4 million, reflecting a 13% organic increase over prior year. Our adjusted EBITDA margin in the fourth quarter was 30.2% versus 32.1% a year ago. Our cost of service increased by 4.6 million or 16%, primarily due to an increase in transmission expense associated with the growth in broadband subscribers, coupled with other individually insignificant items. These increases were partially offset by a decrease in combined network sharing and national roaming costs due to our Moran network sharing agreement, which commenced in the second quarter of 2020. Sales and marketing expenses increased 3.3 million or 27%, primarily due to an increase in advertising and promotion costs, which were curtailed in the first three quarters of the year, as well as an increase in commission expense of 1.1 million year over year with higher amortization expense of the related contract acquisition costs, which are capitalized and amortized upon adoption of the new revenue standard in 2019. Our general and administrative costs increased by 2.2 million or 15%, primarily due to an increase in employee costs and individually insignificant items, partially offset by a decline in bad debt associated with improvements in collections during 2020. For the full year, our adjusted EBITDA margin was 31.22% compared to 31.52% in 2019. The decrease was due to increased transmission expense attributable to growth in our fixed line base, in addition to the lack of historically high margin international roaming revenues in 2020, which were mostly offset by our operating cost discipline over the course of the year. Our Q4 capital expenditures in New Zealand were 24.2 million versus 10.3 million a year ago due to timing of spend between quarters. For the year, our capital expenditures were 65.1 million, which was a 9% increase versus 2019 as we invested in our mobile LTE and transmission networks. Our capital intensity for the fourth quarter was 24.7% compared to 12% a year ago, and for the full year 2020 was 18.2% versus 17.7% in 2019. We ended December with 1,261 LTE sites on air, an increase of 44 sites year over year. Our total site count in New Zealand at the end of Q4 was 1,312. We also have additional 
192 rural broadband sites providing coverage through our Rural Connectivity Group joint venture with the other two wireless operators. Shifting to Bolivia, we ended Q4 with 1.8 million wireless subscribers. As Brad noted, subscriber activity has continued to improve as mobility in the country increases. Our net additions for the quarter were 180,000, approximately 3,000 of which were postpaid. We ended the quarter with 259,000 postpaid mobile, mobile customers and almost 1.5 million prepaid customers. We added almost 3,200 fixed LTE customers in Q4, bringing our total base to 19.5,000 fixed LTE customers. This is a 19% increase in our base. Our Q4 service revenues in Bolivia of 36.5 million declined 22% on an organic basis versus Q4 of 2019, due primarily to decreases in mobile service revenues. On a sequential basis, service revenues increased 5%, reflecting the improving trend. Our postpaid service revenues decreased 19% year over year in the fourth quarter due to a contraction in our postpaid customer base. This was partially offset by a slight increase in postpaid ARPU due to continued uptake of our higher value bring your own device unlimited plan. In Q4, postpaid ARPU in Bolivia was stable compared to prior year, and we were encouraged by the 11% sequential increase versus the third quarter. Our prepaid service revenues decline of 23% versus Q4 of 2019 was primarily due to continued pricing pressure in the market with a 15% decrease in prepaid ARPU year over year. Our fixed LTE service revenues were 1 million in the fourth quarter, up around 100% on a 79% larger base than a year ago. Our full year fixed LTE revenues were 3.1 million, more than double compared to 2019. For the year, our service revenues were 146.6 million, down 26% compared to 2019, as the strict COVID-related restrictions for much of the year pressured revenues, particularly in prepaid. Our Q4 adjusted EBITDA in Bolivia significantly declined compared to last year, as our reduced revenues were only partially offset by our cost reduction measures. Capital expenditures in Bolivia decreased year over year to 6.5 million in the fourth quarter, as we continue to focus on preserving cash. For full year 2020, our capital expenditures were 12.3 million compared to 25.6 million in 2019. Moving to our consolidated cash and liquidity position, at the end of Q4, our consolidated cash balance was 102.5 million in cash and cash equivalents and restricted cash. This is a 24.1 million increase compared to the end of 2019. 30.6 million was held by Two Degrees, 34.4 million was held by Nuevatel, and the remaining balance was held at corporate. From a cash and liquidity standpoint, we finished the year in a stable position. In Bolivia, continued CapEx and OpEx discipline, along with ongoing restructuring efforts, support cash needs in the near term. In New Zealand, strong cash generation has strengthened the Two Degrees balance sheet and will enable increased capital investment in 2021, including investments in 5G technology. 
with respect to our broader capital structure, consolidated debt at the end of Q4, including $400 million of Trilogy's hold co notes, plus local debt and other, was $661.7 million. At the end of 2020, $285 million New Zealand dollars was outstanding on our senior finance facility in New Zealand. In Bolivia, at the end of December, our debt outstanding totaled $37.6 million, which includes $4.5 million related to prior tranches of the tower sale leaseback, which was closed in 2019. From a consolidated gearing standpoint, net debt to consolidated LTM adjusted EBITDA was 5.5 times at December 31 versus 3.6 times a year ago. At the operating subsidiary level, both of our companies remained under-levered from a debt-to-adjusted EBITDA standpoint. Both the New Zealand and Bolivia business have a reasonable margin of compliance on their debt covenant. As announced yesterday, we are exploring a partial listing of our business in New Zealand. The supportive macro backdrop, along with strong financial results, suggests now is an opportune time to consider an equity event for the Two Degrees business. We expect this partial listing will include primary proceeds to accelerate growth initiatives and will also enable Trilogy to generate proceeds in order to significantly reduce hold co-debt. Given our expectations of an IPO in New Zealand in the next 12 months, we are currently in discussions with advisors regarding the company's capital structure, including the May 2022 Trilogy notes. Our priorities continue to be maximizing value while protecting the balance sheet and managing risk. We believe a potential IPO in New Zealand would tick the boxes in terms of reducing hold co-debt while retaining a significant interest in the two degrees business where we continue to be extremely bullish on the growth opportunities there. Moving on to our outlook for 2021, while conditions have generally improved, uncertainties remain due to COVID-19 and its impact on our operating markets, including their respective economies. Specifically, we expect roaming revenues and retail activity will continue to be impacted through 2021. We also note that certain COVID-related government assist programs in New Zealand have lapsed or expected to lapse during the year. Thus, our 2021 outlook contemplates the inherent uncertainty related to economic conditions in New Zealand and more broadly. As such, we are taking a very cautious approach to our 2021 outlook. Our 2021 outlook for New Zealand reflects organic growth of 2 to 4% in service revenue and 2 to 4% in adjusted EBITDA. Again, this guidance excludes the impacts of the new revenue standard and foreign currency fluctuations. Core capital expenditures in New Zealand are expected to increase meaningfully in 2021 as the New Zealand business prepares for a 5G launch later this year. We anticipate capital expenditures to be in the low 20s as a percentage of service revenue compared to capital intensity of 18% in 2020. In, in Bolivia, the operating environment remains more uncertain as the country begins to emerge from the impacts of COVID-19. As such, while we expect improvement in operating and financial metrics over the course of 2021, the pace of any recovery is uncertain. Regarding capital expenditures, we will continue to be disciplined as we balance investment 
investment and cash management. We will continue to closely monitor operating environment dynamics related to COVID-19 and the impact on each of our businesses, and we'll provide updates to our guidance and outlook as appropriate throughout the year. With that, let's go to questions. Holly? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the floor is now open for questions. If you have any questions or comments, please press star 1 on your phone at this time. We ask that while posing your question, you please pick up your handset if listening on speakerphone to provide optimum sound quality. Please hold while we poll for questions. Your first question for today is coming from Bentley Cross. Please announce your affiliation, then pose your question. Hi, guys. It's Bentley Cross from Steve. Hey, Brad. And I uh, wanted to ask, I mean, there's somewhat conflicting messaging about the planned IPO in New Zealand. Yesterday's release said you're exploring it. Then in Eric's script, it was mentioned multiple times that it's planned. Uh, just hoping for a little bit more color there. How far down the road are you and what are the next steps and what groups do you need to jump through from here? Hey, Bentley, it's Eric. Uh, you know, first comment, as we did disclose in our announcement, uh, you know, no final decision has been made and, uh, you know, anything would ultimately be subject to, to market conditions. Uh, we are in the you know, very early stages of the, of the exploration, uh, but as we indicated in our, in our releases, you know, strong rationale uh, for exploring and, uh, you know, looking at something, you know, later this year, second half of 2021 or early 2020. 22, again, you know, subject to market conditions and, you know, how things play out. Okay, makes sense. And then secondarily, I mean, you guys have been pretty transparent that Bolivia is for sale, now potentially listing New Zealand. Should we think about this as Brad wanting to move back into retirement or do what, what can investors think about for kind of the next 12, 18, or 36 months for the, the whole post structure? Yeah, no, thanks, Bentley. No, um, ret retirement is a is a concept completely foreign to me. Um, you know, the focus, given the opportunities, you know, is really is really on New Zealand um, and our our ongoing enthusiasm for what we can do there. You know, with the with the results that we just put out, you know, during a uh, uh, during a COVID environment. You know, we're actually, you know, increasingly um, encouraged by things. Our, our local CEO, uh, you know, Mark, has done an outstanding job in positioning the business. And more importantly, or as importantly, has significantly strengthened uh, his team uh, for things going forward. You know, our, our thinking, you know, hasn't changed as it relates to Bolivia. Um, we're encouraged by the uh, traction that's, that's starting to be regained there, um, largely to, in effect, give potential interested, party, uh, interested parties, you know, a view that the impact that COVID had during the year, you know, was, was kind of a one-off thing. We continue to engage with folks. Uh, there's actually three parties right now that are under non-disclosure agreements and in various 
you know, various stages of, uh, of due diligence um, and questioning. You know, no one is, you know, no one is, uh, you know, is racing, you know, to to a finish line. We have we have yet to receive um, any indicative offers um, of of uh, valuation for the business. But I think it's clear with the exploration of an IPO in New Zealand and with the increased focus there, you know, that that our objective is to clear the plate, if you will. Um, and really just focus on New Zealand. Thanks, that's me. Thanks, guys. You bet. Your next question is coming from Drew McReynolds. Please announce your affiliation, then pose your question. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good afternoon. It's, uh, it's Drew from RBC. Um, maybe starting uh, with you, Brad, uh, in terms of I guess Bolivia, just obviously still a little bit of a choppy environment, but just in terms of what you'd like to see kind of milestone-wise, you know, as we kind of go through the year um, in terms of things you can control, what what would those be? And then second, uh, Brad or Eric, on Q1, uh, there's a little bit of granularity on how, how that has gone. Um, could you maybe provide an update uh, just generally on, on any change in, in, in trends, uh, either at New Zealand or, or Bolivia? Oh, no, sure, Drew. You know, I think in Bolivia what, we're, what we are demonstrating and, and attempting to demonstrate, you know, is that the impact uh, to the business on COVID, you know, was a, you know, one-year, one-off sort of event that the market, you know, still has room for growth. Um, with a new administration, you know, in place, I think the political instability that, that plagued the country both prior to and, and during COVID, you know, has, um, you know, has gone away to a large degree. I think the government's objective there is to, you know, attract um, additional uh, foreign direct investments, you know, into the business. But our, our primary goal um, is to really demonstrate, you know, that you know, with the right level of investment and with a and with a good good marketing approach and strategy, you know, that our company, you know, can continue, uh, you know, can regain, you know, a significant part of the market share that it lost. Um, over the last year and a half, both due to COVID, as well as increased, um, increased competitiveness. I'm particularly encouraged, uh, given the underpenetration of broadband, you know, in Bolivia, um, our fixed wireless LTE broadband service um, is proving to be a, an attractive service offering. Uh, we've been disadvantaged, you know, in the past, competing against Tigo and Intel, who have laid fiber. Um, and have a triple play offering, uh, which we have not had. And while, the, and while there are largely, you know, unserved and underserved uh, segments of the population, you know, in the country, you know, the higher-end demographic uh, and those least impacted, you know, by COVID, I think their resilience, you know, was really, you know, ha has really played out um, when we follow the results. Um, you know, that the Tigo has stated overall. But it's basically demonstrating that, you know, the economy under 
Evo Morales, you know, had really led South America in GDP growth. You know, the emergence of a, of a rapidly growing middle class has been established with poverty being diminished, clearly a commodity-driven um, environment, you know, economically, you know, but that's always a cyclical, you know, part of the business. And so we're, we're trying, you know, and I believe successfully demonstrating the market structure is right in terms of three players that are there. The competitive dynamic is, is pretty well established. Uh, with the operating, you know, history of the of the two companies, you know, and the right player with a, you know, with a longer term view than we have, you know, I think can have a uh, both an attractive entry price into the business given our motivation, you know, to monetize that, as well as a uh, uh, as well as being able to generate a, you know, a good return on a nominal amount of investment going forward. Got it. Thank you. You bet. And then, uh, yeah, and uh, just one and a quarter. You you, bro- you broke up a little bit, Drew. Could you repeat that? Sure. Just uh, my my second question, either for you, Brad, or or Eric. Uh, just kind of, uh, you know, we're we're through the bulk of of Q1 here. Just and anything, you know, to note or flag uh, different to to kind of what you. Uh, either disclosed or, or, you know, had in your, your opening remarks? Uh, sure, Drew. It's Eric. Thanks for the question. You, you know, I'll um, you know, speak to that in terms of, you know, 2021 outlook in general and, you know, how we're thinking about things and approaching things. You know, clearly the team in New Zealand did a tremendous job navigating, uh, you know, through 2020, uh, 2020 and, and set the bar uh, pretty high. But, um, you know, certainly do want to acknowledge that, you know, risk does remain. Uh, hence the you know, very conservative tax we're, we're taking with our guidance. Uh, you know, through the first couple months of this year, largely a, a continuation of the, of the trends uh, you know, from 2020. Uh, but that said, you know, the COVID-related factors uh, you know, do continue to persist uh, with the lower gross ads, lack of roaming revenue, um, uh, et cetera. You know, bad, ri- bad debt risk, although you know, have not seen it to date, you know, there's still the you know, possibility that, that that comes through. And, you know, we may see an uptick in, in acquisition costs over the course of the year as we look to, you know, drive incremental growth. Uh, so, you know, in totality, you know, points us to, uh, you know, the very cautious guidance, guidance range uh, that we put out. Uh, but, um, you know, we will be providing updates to that guidance and outlook as we move through the year. Okay, then uh, that's great. Uh, a final one for me, uh, either for, for you, Brad or Eric, uh, and just back to New Zealand. Uh, just two-part two question on the on the fixed wireless side uh, in New Zealand. Um, you know, particularly as we move to, to 5G. Just would be curious in that market what your view is of that product. Uh, you know, in the marketplace and 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 where it can be positioned versus the the fiber. Or, or uh, you know, fixed line areas um, for broadband, and and then secondly, in New Zealand on the capital intensity uptick due to 5G in, in 2021, that was obviously mentioned previously on on uh, prior quarters. Um, is this to be assumed a, a new kind of run rate here through? kind of the initial phases, uh, multi-year phases of 5G deployment, or are we, you know, bumping up 
and then come back down, uh, you know, subsequent to 2021. Great. I'll uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll address the first part of it, and then let uh, then let Eric talk about the uh, uh, the capital intensity. You know, in terms of fixed wireless, you know, in New Zealand, um, you know, one of our competitors, Spark, you know, over the last couple of years has put on about 150,000, uh, 160,000 fixed wireless customers, and that's been on a 4G. Uh, network, you know, that's that's been there. You know, they are they are in a uh, you know they have a uh, larger spectrum position, you know, in that band, you know, than we you know than we've got, and so we have not been very aggressive on a uh, on a fixed wireless um, endeavor with our existing 4G you know business today. Spark's got about 20% of their base um, on fixed wireless today. They have um, indicated as a target that they expect 30 to 40 percent of their broadband base to uh, uh, to be fixed wireless um, with 5G. You know we have got launching our 5G you know service offerings you know towards the end of the year, um, and, you know and do expect you know a healthy amount. Of, uh, of customers, of, of new customer acquisition, um, as well as existing customers finding a fixed wireless solution to be to be fully adequate for what they uh, for what their needs are. I would I would remind you um, there are still a significant amount of customers in New Zealand on copper, on ADSL uh, and VDSL, and so by the end of the year. You know, as the fiber deployment from Corus continues to, you know, to expand and penetrate, a 5G wireless service offering will also be, um, will also be um, in the in the mix as well. The economics of it are pretty compelling. You know, as as you're aware, everybody uh, who buys uh, the carriers today who provide services as well as the ISPs, we all pay around forty dollars. $40, $45 Kiwi to Chorus for access um, for fiber. Well, obviously, in a, in a fixed wireless, you know, scenario, there's the opportunity for, you know, some pretty significant margin expansion um, with that product. And so I think that as it, as it deploys, um, you know, throughout the country, um, I think that you'll see, uh, and we will certainly be, you know, be aggressive, you know, in our own right, but predominantly moving customers off of copper um, onto an alternative. There's been a uh, there's a fair amount of there's been a fair amount of press over the last probably six months or so. You know, given the pandemic and everyone being you know confined to their homes, their kids being at home, huge demands you know being put on uh, being put on broadband. And I think there's been some you know kind of mixed reviews. In terms of you know how fixed wireless you know stood up uh, relative to fiber, but I think that the COVID environment and the impact on the networks you know hopefully um, was a was a one-off event. Um, but overall, I think that the uh, fixed wireless with 5G is really the only you know concrete you know revenue revenue generating service that the people are are certainly thinking about. 
Um, and we expect to continue our growth in broadband in general um, overall. But and fixed wireless will be a, you know, will be a, a significant piece of that once we get the service up and launched. Got it. Thank you. And then Drew, to the second part of your question regarding capital intensity uh, in New Zealand, uh, you know, 5G we, we do expect to you know, carry on beyond 2021. Uh, and thus, in you know, absolute dollars would expect uh, you know investment to remain elevated. Uh, though, as a percent of service revenue, given the revenue projections that we see, you know, perhaps that intensity you know comes down to to some degree. But uh, in any event, you know, we do uh, expect that uh, you know capex levels will remain elevated, you know, for the next you know couple of years as we work through this this 5G investment cycle. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Drew. Once again, if there are any questions or comments, please press star 1. Your next question is coming from Craig Tarlazzi. Please announce your affiliation, then pose your question. Hi, from Longfellow. A uh, couple questions. I guess first, regarding conversations you're having with your advisors, are you running a parallel process with respect to your capital structure? Um, that would be the first. And, and if so, what are their thoughts on a more traditional refinancing in today's market? And second, any other color that you can provide about the proceeds that you're expecting from the IPO or the amount of the business? said it's a majority, you're going to remain in a majority owner of the New Zealand, but the amount that you expect to, to IPO, because the reason I'm asking is I'm just simply looking at the cash flow burn of the business over the last couple of years, combined with the amount of debt you have at absolute value and, and, you know, in addition to a heightened CapEx over several years. So, you know, that would lead me to believe for any material deleveraging would have to be a large number in addition to the uh, having enough capital to finance the working capital spend. So any commentary that you could provide to help help me understand or, or get there, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, sure. This is Eric. Thanks for the question. I'll start with the, the last piece related to IPO. You know, as indicated, you know, very early stages, uh, you know, in terms of the exploration, uh, markets are strong, things are compelling. It was certainly worth uh, you know, us taking a very hard look at, you know, it'd, it'd be premature to, you know, comment in terms of, you know, sell down uh, and retained interest. But, you know, our, our, you know, core, you know, principle at this stage would be, you know, selling down to delever, uh, you know, to a comfortable uh, degree uh, while still re re, uh, retaining as, as much of an interest in the business as we can, given the growth that, that we see. Uh, but, um, you know, look forward to providing updates as we progress through the process. Uh, and in terms of uh, the trilogy notes and, and refinancing approaches, uh, as you indicated, uh, the debt markets uh, continue to be attractive overall, uh, including the U.S. high-yield market. Uh, we are looking at, you know, multiple paths with our advisors uh, and, you know, evaluating what is the optimal structure uh, given the contemplated uh, near-term IPO and the potential uh, deleveraging that comes with that. Uh, so, you know, more to come on that, but uh, looking at a, at a variety of, of alternatives uh, and expect to, you know, provide 
updates in the near term. Great, thank you. Thanks. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This does conclude today's conference call. You may disconnect your phone lines at this time and have a wonderful day. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.